Luke chapter number 9. How, how good has it already been to be able to sing some songs of praise to the Lord, uh, hear about what God is doing on the mission field, and uh, uh, look forward. And by the way, I'm thankful that uh, Johnny and Gabby joined our church on Sunday, and they're still here. Praise the Lord. Amen. They're still here. And, and uh, I'm excited that not only is Brother Ionello uh, going to uh, be here uh, this Sunday, uh, but uh, forgot to mention this. Well, so this is the announcement. And hey, by the way, um, uh, but uh, the Seronios, all right, that would be Steon's parents, will be getting baptized on Sunday as well. Amen. Amen. So I've never, this is like an international baptism. I'm pretty excited about it, all right? Uh, go, go to Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. Uh, Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. And we've been talking about spiritual warfare and talking about things to look out for spiritually and how to have discernment and, uh, and, and understanding what spirits it is uh, that, that you're dealing with. Uh, and the Bible talks about all kinds of spirits, lying spirits, a spirit of antichrist, a spirit of, of uh, uh, carnality. There, there are all kinds of a spirit of delusion, a spirit of division. Uh, there are all kinds of spirits listed in your Bible tonight. I want to talk to you about one that maybe is not so much uh, uh, one that you're looking for on the outside, although it does show up on the outside. But I also want you to take inventory because I think one of the most dangerous things that you can do as a born-again child of God is assume that if there's going to be a problem, it's going to be somebody else. Because sometimes the problem that we're dealing with is one that's looking at us back in the mirror. Look at Luke chapter 9. Look, if you would, at verse number 46. Luke chapter 9, you, you, I'll say it this way, you cannot deal with the external spiritual battles the right way if you're not dealing with the internal ones right first. Uh, look at Luke 9, look if you would at verse number 46. Then there arose a reasoning among them, which, this sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? <laughs> then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest? And Jesus, can you imagine like we're walking in a church, I'm like, Joe, no, no, I'm the greatest. And he's like, no, I'm the greatest. I'm a preacher's kid, you know, and I'm six foot seven or whatever and have blonde hair. I don't know, whatever he wants to say. I can dunk over your head, you know, and then Miss Lenny hears that. She goes, well, you're both young and stupid. I'm the greatest, you know, uh, and we just go back and forth. And you know what that is? Uh, that, that's, that's the spirit we're talking about. Now, now watch it. Watch it. Look if you would at verse number uh, 47. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him. And said to them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he followeth not with us. It's, it's kind of popping up again. Uh, they don't do it the way we do it. Well, listen, if it's not against the Spirit of God and it's not against the Word of God, leave him alone. <laughs> Right? Look what the Lord says in verse 15. Jesus said to him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass. I wish, I wish more of the brethren would get a hold of that. Just because one church, let's say that there's a, a like-minded, doctrinally sound church uh, down the road. But because, I don't know, I remember years ago, if you had a projector and it put images on there, people were like, oh, that's the road to apostasy. Do <laughs> you remember that? All right, and so because you do that, you're, you're on the wrong road. Just stupid stuff like that. You know what that is? That's the devil trying to get us to consume each other rather than realize the enemy is out there. You understand? And that's the spirit we're dealing with. Look, if you, if you would, at verse number uh, 51, it came to pass when the time was come 
that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Uh, you, you may or may not remember the story from the Old Testament, but the Samaritans were half Jewish and, and half Gentile. And so there was this kind of like this racial division between them. And, and the Jews thought that, you know, hey, look, look we worship the one true God. And that you Samaritans, you don't really know what you're worshiping. And Jesus even addresses that in John chapter 4. There's this long-standing division between these groups. And look, if you would, at verse number uh, 53. And look what it says. Were they excited that the Lord was coming? The Samaritans? Not at all. Verse 53, they did not receive him. Can I tell you this? Not everyone's going to receive everything you have to say about the Lord. Not everyone's going to listen. And one of the things you have to learn, and I've learned it the hard way, is don't waste your time arguing with people that don't want to listen. All right? It's much better use of your time to invest yourself in those that are hungry. Guys, listen to me very carefully. We are in a mission field. We live in a city of 3.5 million people. There are people that do want truth. There are people that are searching. So, so, so let's take a lesson from the book here about where the disciples are at. Notice what, Jesus, uh, uh, what happens here in verse number 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, I love this. Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven? To me, that's like the nuclear option. I don't know. It's like the last thing to recommend. It's kind of like, I don't know, pray for them, you know, show them the Bible, cast fire down from heaven and kill them all. Like, that seems to be like the last, like, after everything else, maybe you have to do that, you know, and, and, and notice what the Lord responds with after they, they and I, I, now, here's what's interesting. They align themselves with Elijah. They say, hey, we're just doing what Elijah did. Now, now look at the rest of the verse in verse 54. Well, thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did. Can I ask you a question? When the fire came down, 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, when the fire came down, um, did it kill anybody? You know what it did? It consumed the sacrifice. Sounds to me like they kind of rewrote the Bible for their own purposes. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Look at verse number 55, but he turned... Now, I'll be honest with you. If, if someone didn't receive me and had guys who were like, you want us to smoke them? <laughs> I'd be like, hey, boys, I appreciate that, you know, but let's not go there. You know what the Lord does? He turns to them in verse 55 and he rebuked them and said, I want you to pay attention to this. You know not. You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Derek, thank you for being here tonight. Would you ask God's blessing on the word? Yes. Amen. Be seated if you would. I, I think there's some things that you can learn here from this story. And I think one of the things that you can see right away is that the, uh, the disciples kind of put a, a spiritual veneer, if you will, on their request from the Lord. They kind of said, Lord, uh, will you want, if you want us to, we can call fire down and we can do what Elijah did. 
And, and it kind of looks spiritual. I mean, even the, if you look back, I think the Lord's trying to give us clues. Earlier in the passage, they're arguing about who is the greatest. And then they're trying to stop those that aren't exactly doing it like they're doing it. Or maybe they're not exactly geographically with them. And so they go, they must be the enemy. And so the Lord is trying to address something in them before you ever get to this point, And they're not getting it. Has the Lord ever tried to do that with you? Where he's like, hey, get, are you listening? And, and you're like, yeah, Lord, uh, uh, but we were just arguing about who the greatest is. And now we've had the argument. Would you just tell us who it is? And you know what the Lord, uh, I love how this goes in Mark. In, in the gospel of Mark, the Bible says that the Lord listened and he heard them argue, but he did not ask them until they got to the house they were going to. And when he gets there, he goes, hey, guys, by the way, what was it you were arguing about? Can you imagine me, one of the disciples, and kind of looking down the ground at that point going, well, uh, doesn't seem all that important right now. And uh, after that whole lesson you gave us on, you know, we know not what manner of spirit we are of. Uh, you say, what is that? That's the Lord trying to address something in you before you can address it in somebody else. Amen. Christians sometimes forget. Look, here's what happens when you get saved. When you get saved and you learn some Bible, what you, what you learn is this, that when you believe something, that God, God is, is, is on your side. Now, before you were saved, you could disagree with somebody and it's not a big deal. But now that you're saved and you learn some Bible, you're like, well, if this is what the Bible says and, and God's on my side and you don't agree with me, that must mean that you're the devil, right? And, and let me just say this right now, guys. You need to be real careful with that because there's sometimes, listen, I'm all for rightly dividing the word of God. I'm all for, as you learned about on Sunday, uh, being able to draw a line of separation between you and the world. But can I say this right now? There are some lines that are drawn by God's people that are foolish lines, you know what they point back to? You're not as good as I am. And let me tell you something right now. When you start going down the road of having, listen to me, a pharisaical spirit, and that starts moving inside of you, it does not just damage you. It damages those around you. Uh, so much so, go to John chapter 12. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, let's say that you're at the Last Supper. And uh, at the Last Supper, you, uh, you're sitting around the table, and, and, and obviously you've got... Uh, uh, well, let's say before you, you kind of go to the Last Supper, excuse me, you're not quite there yet. And uh, at, at, at this event where you're having dinner and uh, you have uh, uh, the woman that comes in there and she, she sits down and she goes ahead and breaks this box and she anoints the feet of Jesus Christ. Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter number 12. I want you to notice something. John chapter 12. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number... Uh, one John chapter 12 look at verse 1 then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was which had been dead whom he raised from the dead there they made him supper and Martha served but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with them then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus you read about this in Mark 14 where she breaks that box and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment Talk about a great picture of someone bringing a spiritual sacrifice unto the Lord. Look, if you're not saved, you can't even bring a sacrifice to God. If you're not saved and you're trying to work your way to heaven, that's a sacrifice God will not accept. His son died to take away your sins. He is not going to accept what you bring as a sinner when he gave you the sinless, spotless lamb of God. But as a child of God, you're to bring spiritual sacrifices. The conversations you have in your home should be spiritual sacrifices. The way that you talk to your spouse and your children should be spiritual sacrifices in God's sight. 
the way that you interact with, with your neighbors and your co-workers, that should be spiritual sacrifice unto the Lord. This lady brings this box, and, and this is basically what would have been her life savings, and she breaks this and pours it out in the feet of the Lord. This is where you know the Lord sits back and goes, man, she had done, she had wrought a good work on me. And you know what he says to those around her? Leave her alone. Look what happens here in verse number uh, four. This is the only gospel that points out who it was that was the ringleader of the conversation. Now, you know what the other gospels say? That they all began to say, why has she done this? But there was a ringleader. It always starts, listen, any great work of God starts with one person being filled with the Spirit of God. You look at the early church and look at what God did through Barnabas. Is it not amazing? And that, but let me say this, anything that destroys or counters the work of God oftentimes starts with one person being filled with the wrong spirit as well. And notice, notice who the, the ringleader is here in verse number four, Judas Iscariot, which should betray him. Now look what he says in verse five. Now, he, here's this guy that according to the Lord in verse four, this guy's about to betray the sinless son of God and betray him with a kiss. He's about to betray the Lord who has done nothing. Innocent blood is going to be on this guy's hands. This guy is going down a dark road. And here he is, listen to me, in the midst of his darkness, in his mind, and in his heart. What is he doing? Criticizing somebody else for trying to do something for God. Isn't that amazing? That here you have someone that has gone down such a dark road, and, and they're, they're determined. They're not going to listen to anybody, including the Lord. And the Lord gives Judas all kinds of warnings, and he doesn't listen. And yet he's the one that's sitting there criticizing. Can I ask you a question? Who was Judas hanging around? Uh, maybe uh, the Pharisees? Do you think maybe he caught something that they had? I was shaking hands earlier tonight. Someone goes, hey, just do me a fist bump. I don't want to get you sick. And I said, man, don't rob me of that blessing. Shake my hand. I want all the immunity I can get. But, but you, you know what it's like, guys. We're just talking about the COVID lockdown. Everybody's scared about catching something. You know, COVID round number 47's coming around, and you're really going to die this time, right? And so it's, it's summer flares up, and, we're all gonna, and everyone's going to be real careful to make sure you don't touch me, don't, don't touch us. And, and yet here we are spiritually not being aware that things that we are around can affect us. Listen to me. They can infect you, and they can infect those around you. You know what Judas did? He hung out with certain people. He caught, caught some of the spirit, and he started sp- sharing that spirit with the disciples. You know what the other Gospels record for us? That Judas was the one that... that the, well, John tells us Judas is the one that, that started this conversation. It's very clear that the other disciples caught wind of what Judas was saying, and they said, oh, yeah, he's right. You say, why? Well, what you learn from that is this. A pharisaical spirit will not just affect you. It'll affect other people. And it'll weaken the body of Christ. It'll make us all weaker where we can't fight the things that we should be fighting. You know what a pharisaical spirit does? It turns Christians against each other that should be fighting alongside each other. The battles that are going on out there. Uh, let, me, let me give this to you right now. If you're, if you're here right now and you're not saved, can I tell you right now the greatest thing you can do tonight is get saved. Become a born again child of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're missing out. The stuff that's going on in this world... Uh, it's getting real weird out there, and it's going real fast. And I'm going to turn it out. The Bible's got the answers, man. The Bible explains what's going on, and you're going to miss out. Listen, a couple thousand years ago, there's a guy named Noah, and Noah builds a boat when nobody even knows what rain is. Can you imagine being a guy that's out there being like, well, I'm building a boat. Well, who told you to? Uh, God. And they all start laughing. Well, why did God tell you to build a boat? Well, because there's rain coming. <laughs> what's that? They found out soon enough. 
And when the ark was closed, nobody was laughing. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not saved, get in the ark. Get in Jesus Christ. All right? Having said that, listen, uh, when you got saved, here's what God did. He saved your soul. I know some of you know this already. Uh, he gave you a, 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 a born, he brought life to your spirit, which was dead. All right? And he did absolutely. Listen, if you were bald and, you know, 150 pounds overweight before you got saved, you will be bald and 150 pounds at, uh, uh, overweight after you get saved. All right. If if you had a problem uh, with donuts and eating five donuts every morning after you get saved, there's a pretty good chance you're still going to want five donuts tomorrow morning for breakfast. All right. So the, what I'm trying to get at is this. God did not touch your body when you got saved. All right. And, and so what you have to understand is this as well. The only part of you that is basically untouchable is right here. All right, this is saved, and you cannot, this is the eternal you, all right? However, your body can be a vessel, and it can be a vessel for cleanness or a vessel for uncleanness, a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor, as the Bible says in Timothy. And what you open your mind and ears and eyes to can affect your spirit, if you don't believe that, go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. I want to make this very clear tonight. Uh, somebody was asking the other day about, you know, if uh, there's a lot of conversation on the internet about soul ties. And if you've physically been with someone, are you tied to their soul? You know what the very short answer is if you're saved? Absolutely not. All right. Now, let me say this. You might have some emotional baggage. And that emotional baggage is something that you're going to war with within your spirit and what your spirit has to do is submit to the Holy Spirit of God in order to win that battle. All right, but, but this idea, it's a lot like generational curses. I'm a, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, uh, I have a terrible mouth because my dad and his dad and his dad had a terrible mouth, and therefore I'm under a generational curse. First off, if you go back to the context of generational, those generational things in Deuteronomy, do you know what that has to do with? It has to do specifically with idolatry, and it has to do with Old Testament Israel. Nothing to do with a born-again, a spirit-filled child of God. <laughs> so don't claim that. You know what that is? That's your way out of dealing with you the right way. I was just born and I have this generational curse. That's not biblical for the New Testament Christian, all right? And so when it comes to the soul tie thing, let me just get this out of the way as well. Uh, that's not in the Bible. Uh, you, know what, you know what you will find in the Bible? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, notice what Paul the Apostle says in regards to your spirit after you're saved, all right? Now, someone asked me, uh, Pastor, do you think that someone could do X, Y, and Z and still be saved? You know what my answer probably is going to be? Yes. You say, oh, I wish it wasn't that way. Boy, you're preaching to the choir when you say that. You know, as a pastor, you know what I, I wish? I wish I could just dangle this thing over you that if you do that, you're definitely not saved. And, and have you doubting your salvation so that you get right with God. But you know what the answer is? The reality is this. Unfortunately, a saved person can do anything a lost person can do. Do you know why? Because your body is not saved until the rapture. Romans chapter number 8. When Romans 8 says that we are waiting for the hope of salvation, that's not talking about your spiritual, the, the salvation of your soul. That's the salvation of your body. Listen, the Bible says we've already been adopted. We've received the spirit of adoption, but yet we wait for the adoption. You say, why is that? Because the spirit in, of God is inside of us saying, Abba, Father, identifying us with our new life in Christ, and yet we have not received the fulfillment of that in our flesh until I can't wait till I have a body that never thinks the wrong thing, never says the wrong thing, and never wants to uh, fight and argue over something stupid amen 
When you get to heaven, everything you say is going to be right. Amen. Amen. We'll all be men. We won't argue with our wives. I'm just kidding, all right? Uh, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Look, if you would, at verse number 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. And what's the next word? I literally heard a guy on TikTok, because someone sent it to me, say they had this thing backwards. They literally had this backwards, and they said, well, the only part of you that's really uh, taken care of is this right here. But your soul can be touched. No, your soul can't be touched. If your soul could be touched, you could lose your salvation. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's the eternal you. When we talk about someone getting saved, that's it. The spirit was dead without the uh, spirit of God inside of you. That spirit is born again. But your human spirit is still with you. All right, look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. It's important that you get a hold of this. It's a, important that you understand that, that spiritual warfare is not just an external exercise. It's also an internal one. Uh, because there's stuff that can contaminate your own human spirit. Uh, second, uh, first Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, look if you would at verse number, oh, let's see here, verse 11. All right. For what man knoweth the things, uh, what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of what? Which is where? Well, there you go. You know what happens when you get saved? God does not just completely eradicate the fact that you have your own spirit. He fills your spirit immediately with his Holy Spirit. And from there on out, it is up to you. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. It is up to you how much of you and your spirit is filled with you. And how much of you is filled with the Spirit of God. If I were to have, you know, someone come up here and try to, if I said, hey, Brother Sean, get up here and, you know, pour some water in here. You know what Brother Sean would say? Preacher, there's not a whole lot of room there. And he'd be right. He'd get about, oh, this far. And then after that, there'd be no room. Well, here's the question. Is that you filling you or is that the Spirit of God? If it's you filling you as a born-again child of God, you know what? God's got no room to work there. You know the best thing you could do? Empty the bottle and let God fill you. Every single day. And and so when we talk about uh, the fact that you are a born-again child of God, understand this. Uh, You have a choice every single day what it is you are filling yourself with. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we looked at this verse pretty much for, I think, every week that we studied music. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And if you're struggling with music, can I encourage you? Go back and listen to that series we did on music. It'll help you out. Uh, Look at Ephesians chapter 5 and look, if you would, at verse number 18. Can I show you something about this filling of the Spirit of God? The filling of the Spirit of God is not earmarked by people barking like dogs or rolling around the ground or foaming at the mouth or speaking in an unintelligible language. The, The filling of the Spirit of God is marked by you, listen to me, giving control and leadership to the Spirit of God so that your flesh is under control. Look at Ephesians 5, look at verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. That's another message for another time, but I want you to see the analogy is this. When you're drunk, do you have great control of your faculties? No. So notice the contrast. The contrast is being drunk versus, read the rest of the verse, versus being filled with the Spirit of God. And by the way, can I just point out that when you drive by a liquor store, oftentimes on the sign it'll say liquor, uh, maybe beer, and you know what else it'll say? Spirits. Oh, I wonder where that came from. 
the serpent that moveth right in the cup, Proverbs chapter number 23. Uh, but here, here's what I want you to get a hold of. If you are going to say, Lord, today and in this moment right now, I'm going to submit my spirit to your spirit. When you do that, listen to me, you are allowing the spirit of God to fill you. But listen very carefully. You are sealed until the day of redemption, Ephesians 4. Go back, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30. Ephesians 4, verse number 30. Aren't you glad for this promise from God? You are sealed under the day of redemption with the Spirit of God. You are sealed. So you know what God does? God says, okay, uh, body and soul and spirit. Well, guess what? Now that I've been, as the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, spiritually circumcised and the, the, the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh has taken place, now what God does is His Spirit seals my soul so that what I do in the flesh no longer touches the eternal me. Thank God for that. Because I'll tell you what, I, I get up around 5.30 or something like that, and by 5.31 I probably would have lost my salvation. Okay? All right? So, so, but, but you have to understand this. He says this in regards to your spirit, be filled. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, what do you leave yourself open to? Now, before you go, well, well preacher, I think as it's saved, born again, child of God, I can't, I can't be influenced by, by unclean spirits. Uh, why would he tell you to be uh, careful of the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit if you couldn't be influenced? Why would he say that? Why would he say to Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, why would he say to them, why is Satan filled thine heart to lie in the Holy Ghost? Born again, saved, New Testament Christians. Why would he say that? I'll tell you why he says that, because if you're not careful, look, you can, listen to me very carefully. The pharisaical spirit says, oh, I would never. You be careful with saying, oh, I would never. You know what you ought to say? If not for the grace of God, I'd be just like them. Yeah. So you know what a pharisaical spirit says? Oh, no, not me. You have no idea how far you'd go. I've watched preachers. I've watched preachers' kids. I've watched Christians have been saved for 40 years. Listen, I knew a guy that was a song leader in a, in a Bible-believing church for decades upon decades. And I, don't, I won't go the whole story, but, man, the guy ended up out in left field and is now flying a different kind of flag. You guys with me right now? All right? The guy went a little fruity. Is that a little helpful? All right? So, so, so how did that happen? Oh, he must never have been saved. Wrong answer. No, no, no. He was, feel, he was sealed by the Spirit of God when he got saved. You, you say, well, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. He allowed other spirits to influence him. And let me just say this right now. Nature abhors a vacuum. You don't fill your life with God. It's going to be filled with something. You don't fill your mind with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Your mind's going to be filled with something. If you don't allow your spirit to be filled with God and His Holy Spirit, it's going to be filled with something. You've got to be careful with that. That's why we say, hey, be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're watching. Oh, it's PG. Maybe it is. I'm not even saying it's all bad. But, but let me ask you this. Do you think it's really necessarily a spirit-led thing that you're binge-watching something on Netflix for four days in a row and 40 hours of the last uh, you know, four days has been you binging on something that has nothing to do with God at all? Did I lose you guys there? Like, preacher, you can talk about the queers all you want, but leave Netflix alone. I know. Yeah, some of you need that, too. Look, uh, uh, look if you would, at uh, oh, Matthew chapter 3, and then we'll go to Luke, I think, 4. Matthew 3 and Luke 4. Uh, ad-libbing here, just something I noticed in my Bible, so forgive me if I got the reference wrong, but I think it's right. Or, Matthew 4, excuse me. Matthew chapter 4. 
Matthew chapter 4, and uh, we'll go to Luke 4 in just a moment. Can I, I want you to, if you're taking notes, you've got to get a hold of this. This is pretty neat. Uh, look at Matthew 4, and look if you would at verse 1. Then was Jesus, what's the next word? He was led up of the what? Capital S, right? So you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit of God. He was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Can I just say this? This is a hard pill to swallow. I don't even like what I'm about to say. But sometimes God is going to lead you in a direction that is going to be for your testing and for your trying. And you're going to be against some real big enemies on the way. Now, now I want you also to notice this. He was, what, led of the Spirit. Do you get that? Uh, do you remember what it says over in Galatians? matter of fact, go, go to Galatians 5. Go to Galatians 5 real quick. Then we'll go to Luke 4 in just a moment. Then it'll make more sense, all right? But, but I want you to see something. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. This is midweek what? Bible, Bible study. That's right. So we're going to study the Word of God. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. And look, if you would at uh, verse number uh, 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can I tell you what I think the problem has been with independent Baptists for, I don't know, several decades now? We've been real good about saying, don't, 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 don't. Well, what do I do? I don't know, but don't do that. Let me just say, nature of horse back. You know, God, God doesn't do it in that order. God says, if you fill yourself and you walk in the Spirit, you will not. It's an automatic. If you're walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, now, look at the list, the laundry list of things in the, in the verses to follow. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse number uh, 20. I'm sorry, verse 19. Look at these works of the flesh. Uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Why would Paul waste his breath telling you Christians, hey, these are the works of the flesh, if you could not commit them? Oh, preacher, I wouldn't. Be careful with that. Look at at verse number uh, 21. Envings, murders. I'm sorry, I skipped verse 20. We don't want to miss anything in this list. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. You realize when you hate someone, that's a work of the flesh? I just hate Joe Biden. I just hate orange man Trump. I don't care whichever one you hate. It doesn't matter. Have you prayed for him? That's what the Bible says to do. I know, right, right there. I just mentioned Biden and Trump. Some of you getting real constipated right now. I'm just like, don't preach, Teresa. Don't, don't go. I'm just trying to get you to understand. All right, loosen up a little bit. Stretch out. No, we are all here. Do thyself no harm, Okay. I'm trying to get you to understand that hatred is a work of the flesh. All right, look if you would at the rest of this. Variance, emulations, wrath. The Bible talks about righteous anger. Be angry and sin not. You know what wrath does? The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Do you realize it is a good thing for me to to look at my sons and say, what you did was wrong, and I'm going to correct you for that? You know what's wrong for me to do? How many times have I told you? You know what's amazing to me in the culture in which we live? You're not supposed to implement corporal punishment to your kids, but berating them in Walmart at the checkout line is just fine. (laughs) You know what that is? It's the work of the flesh. (laughs) None of you would ever do that, though, I'm sure. I'm sure none of you would get in an argument with your spouse and, and say some things. You know one of the dangerous things about some of you folks, you've known each other for some of you that are married. We got we know each other since we were thirteen. You know what that means? The longer you know someone, the more dirt you got on them. 
He talked to all the girls in the youth group. I didn't know what I was doing. I was fishing, man. Okay, I got me the right one. But the longer you know so, and the more dirt you got on them. Can I get a witness? And so you know what happens? You pull this thing out just at the right time. Christians will do that to each other too. I remember how you used to be. Well, let's let, let the devil do his job and let God do his, and you stay out of that. All right? Uh, let's look at the rest of the list, though, the works of the flesh. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 20. Hey, you know what else is a work of the flesh? Seditions. That's people trying to divide a church. How about this one, heresies? Did you realize heresies is a work of the flesh? Do you know where heresies come from? They come from someone saying, I don't want the authority of the Bible so I'm going to be the authority, and I'm going to tell you what's right, and therefore, here's what I believe, and therefore, if you disagree with me, you're wrong. You know what heresies are? Heresies are based on this. I matter more than God's authority. So it's a work of the flesh. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse number 21. Did you realize when you scroll on your feed, and you're like, ooh, I wish I had that outfit. You know, or you look at someone going on vacation. How come they go on vacation? You know, someone gets a new car and they post it on Instagram. Huh, how come they got a new car? I don't know. That's their, that's their business between them and God. But you know what your business is not to do? To be envious. Oh, a Christian would never murder, would they? It's in the list. Because your flesh ain't Christian. Get a hold of that. Drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now, now. I, I listed all that out because here's what is automatic if you're not, listening to me, walking in the Spirit. That's automatic. That's first nature to you. Notice what is said. This is very curious in verse 18. But if ye be what? Let. You know what the Spirit of God does not do? I'm going to pick on someone. Lenny, could you come here? Come here, Lenny. All right. All right. So come here. The, the Spirit of God does not do this. <laughs> all right the spirit of god goes hey hey lenny let let's go that way you got it okay all right let's go all right don't get too close it'd be really weird all right all right let's stop let's lenny let's stop here let's think about what we learned matter of fact let, let's go in that you know that's what the spirit of god does the spirit of god does not take you and just drag you thank you bro i appreciate that i still love you all right the spirit of god does not drag you everywhere you know why the spirit of god listen to me very carefully is not manipulative the Spirit of God says, this is right, let me lead you. Now, what's really interesting is this. Check this out. Go to Luke chapter 4. So we read that Jesus was led up of the Spirit, right? In Matthew 4, to go in the wilderness. Look at Luke chapter 4. Do you ever question why you're saying the things that you're saying, going, what Spirit's leading me to say that? Uh, you ought to. You ought to. Uh, look at Luke chapter number four. You, oh, oh, come on now. Come on now. Don't tell me you think everything that comes out of your mouth is spirit-led. <laughs> come on. Come on. When you're by yourself in your car in Denver traffic, there's some not spirit-led things that come out of your mouth. Uh, look at Luke chapter four. You got you to check and go, okay, why, why am I saying this? Why am I thinking this? Why am I expressing life this way? Uh, look at Luke chapter four and notice what it says about the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the first thing that's mentioned about Jesus in regards to the Holy Ghost. Watch it. And Jesus being what? 
The filling allows him to lead you. Read the rest of the verse. He's led. Well, why is he led? Because the spirit that's leading him is the one that he's filled with. You know what's going to lead you, Christian? The spirit you fill your life with. That's what's going to lead you. The Bible says, let a man examine himself. You know, you know I've learned about a pharisaical spirit. Uh, a pharisaical spirit is one that is self-consumed. It is always consumed with me. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, I'll go to Matthew chapter uh, 23. Matthew 23. I'm sorry, go to Luke 7. We'll go to Matthew 23 later. Look at Luke chapter 7. You're already in Luke. Luke chapter 7. You know, you know what a pharisaical spirit does? It thinks about self more than anybody else. It does not consider... Have you ever been in a conversation where, you know, someone's talking, and, and then someone automatically goes into argument mode, and it's over something really stupid, and you're like, why does that even matter? You know why it matters? Because they want to be right. You know why? Because all, all, all that matters to me is me. Because <laughs> this is everything that's happening in my life right now. I don't care how you feel. I don't listen. I know there's a buzzword in in America in, in in modern culture. The word empathy. You go, oh, that's not a Bible word. Okay, but can I just say this much? Weep with them that weep, and rejoice with them that rejoice. The word rapture is not in your Bible, but you believe it, right? Now, now look, the, the, the word empathy is not there, but the idea of being sensitive to the needs of other people is biblical. And when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you don't just talk for the sake of talking so people notice you. And you don't say things that may damage somebody else's walk with Christ with no regard for the consequences in their life. I remember years ago, someone uh, did some musical thing and and, uh, and someone uh, took him aside and said, well, you know, uh, uh, this is how that should be done. Now, now, keep in mind, the person that took, the person that was actually playing the music aside cannot play the instrument that they were going to talk to him about. But you know what they did do? They planted a seed of doubt in the person's mind that was actually trying to do something. Can I say this right now? It's not being led by the right spirit. Look at Luke chapter number 7. Luke, Luke chapter 7. Can I ask you a question? Do you ever stop and go, why am I constantly thinking about me? Do you? You ought to stop and go, Spirit of God, forgive me. Please forgive me for allowing my mind to race wildly <laughs> with no inhibition and no control always thinking about me, my feelings, my thoughts, what they did to me, how I was hurt. I love doing this all the time. How many Christians have been hurt by some other Christian? Right? I know you're real, no one wants to raise your hand. I get it. You know what the next question is? How many of you have hurt some other Christian? I usually get a whole lot more hands the first time. You know why? Because it's real easy to think about. Look at Luke chapter 7. You know what the Pharisees are real good about? Pointing out how they were versus how the disciples were. Look at how we are. Look at how I am. Look at you. It's just constant like me thing. Look at, look at Luke 7. Look if you would at verse 29. Luke 7, verse number 29. By the way, can I say this right now? The world, Christian, the world owes you nothing. 
We are raising a generation of entitled, self-entitled. Uh, look, I don't want you to hire me because I'm Latino. I don't want to be hired because of my race. I, don't, I want to be hired because I do a good stinking job. Yeah. Period. <laughs> All the other stuff, you know what that is? That's you. Oh, well, look, I came from the other side of the track, so you owe me something. No, you don't. You know what, I, you know what, I'm, you know what I'm owed? Death and hell by the word of God. And yet because of the grace of God, I'm living in his love. What a blessing. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 29. I just get wore out with it after a while. You know, like, like everything's about, it's supposed to be about, you know, like, it's amazing to me how the world is just, you have to change everything that is right and sane and logical and true for the feelings of someone that goes, it's all about me. It is not all about you. And when you come to church, listen to me, child of God, you know, it should not all be about you. It should be about others. You know what joy is? Jesus, others, you. And when you get it backwards, you're yodge instead of joy. <laughs> and nobody even knows what that is, but it's not as good as joy. I can tell you that. Look at Luke 7, verse number 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. <laughs> and the Lord said, whereunto then shall I liken the men? You know what the problem is today? It's the men. That's what he says here. The men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one another and saying, we have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. You know what he's saying in so many words? You know the, the problem with the Pharisaical spirit? It's consumed with self. And it only thinks about self. And it comes to church thinking, you know what, let me, let, me, let me throw this out here. A pharisaical spirit is not necessarily always the loudest voice in a room. Let me help you out with something, okay? People automatically think that the extrovert that's making all the noise and commotion, that's the problem here. Well, if they're doing it for the getting attention, that is a problem. You know what I've seen some people do? I'm just going to sit over here in my corner. And, uh, and just, you know, just don't pay attention to me. Do, do you realize by sitting in your corner, you're calling more attention to yourself? You know, it's the same problem, just exhibited in different ways. One person that's insecure because they're not led by the Spirit of God says, let me go hide. One person that's insecure says, let me be the life of the party. They're both a problem. You know what a Pharisee spirit does? It says, I want you to think about you and you first. You know what the Pharisees are really good about? They're really good about thinking about themselves with no consideration. Here, here the Lord is healing people. Guys, I'm sorry. But like if somebody walked in and was like raising dead people back to life and, and you couldn't find any problem with his, there, you can't find any sin in his life and you're still coming up and going, yeah, well, look at us. You've got a problem. <laughs> Pharisaical spirit is one, listen to me very carefully, go to Matthew 15, that is overly concerned overly concerned with getting involved in other people's lives. You say, well, preacher, you just told us we should care about others. Yeah, I'm talking about coming in like this. It's one thing for me to go, Lenny, you're just right here. I'm sorry, man. It's one thing for me to go, hey, bro, how you doing? It's another thing for me to go, how you doing? You know, you guys know that. You know what I'm talking about? The stink eye. You know, it's one thing we go, Javen, man, how you been, bro? Man, it's good to see you at church. Nothing to go, haven't been here in a month. What's going on? (laughs) 
right? And, and then, and, and, you know, he's not been gone for a month. I'm just picking on him. You understand what I'm saying? You say, what's the problem? Well, well, the one is, how about this? How about looking at what people are posting online and going, I wonder what that is. Huh? You start messaging people. What do you think that's all about? Oh, well, yeah. Hey, no problem. <laughs> Heirs together for the grace of life. You, you, you understand? That, there's that, that baby's got a fair seagull spirit. Amen. <laughs> Come get me right now, mom. That's what she's saying. There it is. Ah. Do you understand, though, that the issue with the Pharisaical spirit is it's going, what's going on in your life? And what's going on over here? Oh, and how come you do that? And how come, you know, it's just it's constant looking at, aren't you busy? Don't you have enough to do with yourself? Do your own issues in your own life? I don't have time to go looking for dirt on other people. You know what a Pharisaical spirit does? Let me go find it. There are literally websites online dedicated for Christians finding dirt for other Christians. That's foolishness, guys. Look, look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, notice, <laughs> this is interesting to me. Matthew 15, uh, look if you would at verse number uh, 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elder, elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Does it, is it me or does this not feel like a kindergarten argument? You guys aren't washing your hands. I'm going to tell God the Father on you. They're going to the Lord. and go, How come your disciples don't wash your hands? Why don't you mind your own stinking business? I, I mean, look, look what happens here in verse number 3. Uh, but he answers them, why do ye also transgress the command of, of God by your tradition? Then he goes and he lays into them. Let me tell you something right now. I've learned this about a pharisaical spirit, whether it's in you or somebody else. It needs to be dealt with right away. Right. You know what the Lord does with those that are broken? He says this, go and, go and sin no more. He knows to the Pharisee, ye are of your father the devil. I mean, talk about two completely different responses. You know, I've learned about Christians, sometimes we get it backwards. The person that's broken is the one that we jump on. And the person that's got their Bible tucked under their arm and they have the nice smile and they got the nice clothes, you let them run all over the church. It's not right. Amen. Notice, they're just kind of like, oh, how come your disciples don't? Oh, I mean, like, seriously, what kind of grown man thinks that way? <laughs> you know, how come, oh, Steon, you didn't wash your, what's going on over here? You know what that is? That, that's you thinking that you are basically God. Let me, let me help you out a little bit. From now till the time of the rapture, there are going to be people that you disagree with on things. Okay? If they're doing something against Scripture, you may have to distance yourself from them. Distance does not always mean that you have to get involved in their life and tell them everything they're doing wrong. I know some people go, well, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, then the sin rebuke before all. Yeah, but you're picking one verse out of context and not looking at the rest of the New Testament. You know what the Lord says? Don't be a busybody. I'm real, I get nervous around people that never, ever, when you start talking about, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm okay. But did you notice so-and-so? Like, man, that just makes me nervous. That, that just, you, know, you know what that is? It's not right. Look, look if you would at Matthew 12. Matthew 12. Go back a few chapters. The Bible warns about us suffering for being busybodies in 1 Peter chapter 4. You don't want to be in that group. 
You know what the Bible calls busybodies? The Bible, listen, I know for some of you, when you think about walking disorderly, you think about someone that's drunk and someone that, you know, is carousing on Saturday night and clubbing and all. Do you know what, you know what the Bible describes as disorderly? Someone that isn't staying busy with their own work and they get involved in other men's matters. Read 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians to back up what I'm saying. Look at, look at Matthew 12. Verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples weren't hungered. You know what it was? It was the Sabbath. You know what that means? There ain't no Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A's closed. It's the Sabbath day. Uh, look, look at what happens here. And began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, <laughs> okay, okay, first off, for them to see, you know what that means they were doing? <laughs> ah, ah, there it is. There, you guys see that? How do you have time to do that? You know who you should be watching? Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Isn't that the song? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm going to tell you right now, if more Christians were more concerned with the person looking back at them in the mirror, we would be better off. We'd be stronger as the body of Christ. Instead of looking, listen, I don't know how in the world, but it's, it blows my mind. Here's what I think, guys. Okay, so we are Bible-believing uh, uh, independent Baptists, all right? And, and we go, look, look, we are separate from the world. I'm all for it. But then you go, look, look at how weird we are. We believe eternal security, and we believe this, and we believe that. And our group is like this, right? So let's do this. Let's make it smaller, and let's divide it further so I can show how good I am and how bad you are. Let me find dirt on your life. That's not biblical. By the way, can I remind you, the devil's called the accuser of the brethren, not the Lord. Some of you are real, we can get real good about doing the devil's job for him. I'm not saying if someone's struggling, you don't help them out. I'm not saying if someone's, hey, they might need a rebuke, but good grief. You know what the Pharisees did? They spent all their time just watching. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. It's in the book, is it not? A couple years ago, all right, Arby's. We have the, right? Now look, if I want, if I want, if I want a good road, that wasn't a trick. You're all right. It's good. I'm glad you know that. All right. Um, maybe we should call that our Wednesday night slogan. We've got the meats, you know. But, but, but Arby's. Look, I'm sorry, guys. If, if I want a, a burrito, I, I, don't, I don't think Arby's. I think Chipotle, uh, I, you know, maybe if you're a Santiago's breakfast burrito person, you think that. But, but, you know, maybe Taco Hell, I don't know, but you're not thinking. <laughs> you're not thinking uh, uh, Arby's, right? Look, if, if I want, anybody, who's here been to Bojo's Colorado-style mountain pizzas? You ever had those? Oh, those are great. The crust rolled up. That's from heaven for sure. You got crust. You can open that crust up, pour some honey in there, you know, and if you're like me and you're weird, you throw some pepper flakes in there too and get that spicy and sweet at the same time. That's amazing. I'm sorry, guys. I don't think let's go to Arby's for a good pizza. Do <laughs> You know, about two, two and a half years ago, Arby's had this great idea. Let's, let's do this. Let's make pizzas. You know what? Stay, listen to me, stay in your lane, Arby's. Fast food is bad enough. Just st- if you're good at one thing, stick with that one thing. All right? 
Listen, just as much as you can count on the Holy Spirit of God to always leave, uh, be with you and never leave you and forsake you, you can count on the ice cream machine at McDonald's to break when you want it. Right? There, there are certain things you can just count on. You can count on Arby's good, a good roast beef sandwich, but Arby's do not make pizzas. Why? You are now getting into somebody else's lane. That's not what you do. You do this. Christian, can I say it like this? Stay in your lane. You know what Paul says? Paul says... I have finished my course. That, that's, a, that's a terminology found in racing. You know what Paul was saying? I did what God wanted me to do. Do you know what you will not do? You will not do that. You will not finish what God wants you to do if you're constantly looking at what other people are doing in their life. You say, what is it? It's a pharisaical spirit. Go to John chapter 8 and we'll be done. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You know what I hope you can do after tonight? And, and honestly, that this is part one of probably, I don't know. What happens, Brother Caleb, is we've got a series, and then we've got a sub-series. And then we've got a, 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 a sub-sub-series. And so we're, we're learning about spiritual warfare, but we're, we're also trying to recognize that some of the issues that we're going to have externally, we can't fight them the right way if we don't deal with this first. Can, can I remind you, who here has flown on an airplane before? All right, another question I want to throw out there. Who here had never flown on an airplane until you went to summer camp? We got a couple of those too, all right. So, so, so when you got on the airplane, you know what they said? They said, okay, in the event of a loss of cabin pressure, right? They, they tell you, you need to secure your mask, and they have the lady up there, the guy up there, you know, and doing this thing, they show you how to do it. And then once your mask is secured, then you help those around you. You know what some Christians are trying to do? They're passing out, trying to help someone else with their mask. You know what you need to learn to do? I'm coming, Lord, to that book, and that book's like a mirror. Lord, would you read me? And Lord, would you help me to guard my heart? And Lord, would you help me to guard my mind? And Lord, would you help me to guard my mouth? And Lord, uh, I, I know that I can be influenced by the wrong spirit. Lord, would you help me to recognize that when that starts to brew within me? Lord, would you help me to, to, to yield to the spirit of God? Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Look at verse number 1. You know, it's interesting. It, it kind of points to the fact that Jesus had gone to pray. It doesn't say that, but in verse 1, it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And then it says, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. That it implies that he went there to pray. And so after being filled with the Spirit of God coming down from that mountain, notice what happens in verse 2. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, do not walk away from this story thinking that Jesus is okay with adultery. That's not the moral of the story. He addresses the sin. He tells her to go and sin no more. But can I ask you a question? What business do the Pharisees have? And how in the world do you catch someone in that, unless you're looking for that. 
Can I, can I give you this, Christian? Go to Hebrews 12. We'll, be, we'll, be, we'll wrap this up. Hebrews 12. We know the Bible says to judge righteous judgment, and you ought to spiritually have discernment. But I want to, I want to warn you about being so involved in, in looking for sin in the lives of other people that you ignore what's going on with you. You know why some people do that? Because they're insecurities. And if I can just look at what you're doing, I don't have to deal with me. And you know what the root of insecurity is? Pride. And you know who's behind that? It's not the Spirit of God. Hebrews 12. Look at verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You see, what we're talking about tonight is not even necessarily sin. It can be sin, but a lot of it's just things are holding you back, and you can't even fight in the Christian fight the right way because you're looking at the wrong things. The wrong spirit's influencing you. And the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, watch it, looking unto who? You know, when I have my eyes on him, I don't know about you guys, but someone can yell, someone could curse, someone could say whatever they want to say, and it's like, eh, David, he has spears thrown at him by Saul. What did David do wrong? Nothing. David had every opportunity, and eventually he gets a chance to kill Saul himself. You know what David does? He says, that's okay. I'll let God take care of that. I'm too busy working on this right now. You know what Saul does? Saul doesn't hear from God. So all that's left when you don't hear from God is people. And eventually you take your eyes off the Lord and everything in life becomes about others. Not in the right way, the wrong way. Christian, can I, can I warn you tonight? Be careful of a pharisaical spirit. Not, not, not so much in everyone else, but watch it in you. Watch it in you. Jesus said, you know not what manner of spirit you're of. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come tonight, study your book, learn from your word, or thank you for the Bible that, that sets us straight, that lets us see where we're at, that, that gives us a compass, that puts a governor in our lives along with the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that your people tonight would have a desire to be filled with your spirit. The places that they go, the things that they expose themselves to, the people that make up their circle, I pray that you'd help them, Lord, to, to see that the more you're around people with the right spirit, the better chances you have of keeping the right spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us. Lord, it, we, we cannot fight the external things the right way if we have not first dealt with the internal. Lord, uh, I know we're going to get to this, but the spirit of Phariseeism is constantly hinged on comparison.
Lord, in the day and age in which we live, it's so easy to live by comparison. We literally watch people live their lives through pictures. Lord, help us be careful. Help us to pump the brakes. The Lord's dealt with you. This is honestly meant to be Bible study, but trying to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. If the Lord is showing you something that He wants you, listen to me carefully, carefully. Be led of Him. Don't, don't sit there and go, well, it's Bible study night. I don't go to the altar on Wednesdays. Well, if the Lord tells you to, you should. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just, be sensitive to that. Be sensitive to his leadership. Remember this. If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you're going to allow another spirit to fill you. Why is Satan fill thine heart to lie in the Holy Ghost? The context of that in Acts 5 is two people that said they had given God what they told God they would give him, or they told the church they would give God. You know what I want for our church? I want us to be a deeply rooted church. That's my prayer. A church whose people desire sincerely to be filled with the Spirit of God and not just themselves. I heard Christians say this. Did you see what that person was wearing? Get your eyes off people. Why does that matter so much to you? You have to ask yourself that. When you get kind of out of shape over someone else, I'm not talking because they're they're backslidden, they're not walking with God, and you're tore up about it. That's a good thing. When you're just watching people and you don't like what you see, kind of just pump the brakes. Don't don't be so self-consumed. Consider others in the right way, but... Remember, you've got your own walk with Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. story to illustrate. You can tell pastor's back. We didn't end at 8 o'clock. Sorry. Uh, but uh, one time a preacher was preaching and someone apparently didn't like the message so they left a, a note on the pulpit and the pulpit simply had a note on it that it was a four letter word that said fool. F-O-O-L. The next Sunday the preacher got up and said you know I've had many people write me notes without signing their name, trying to remain anonymous. But I've had never in my entire ministry, in my entire life, I had someone sign their name and not leave an actual note. <laughs> now, that's funny. <laughs> but you know, you know what, what that is, is just trying to find fault. Let, let's, let's get out of the fault-finding business. 
And let's point people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, Brother, uh, could I ask for something special tonight? Brother Steon, uh, would it be okay? Is it Gerard? 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 Is that right? Gerard. Okay. Could, could he pray in Afrikaans and you interpret in English? Okay. Now, this is how tongues is supposed to work, okay? So, brother, would you?